This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal. In Port Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com. This is Nation Network Radio on the voice of Vancouver Sports, TSN 1040. Now, here's John Abbott and J.D. Burke. one 866 1040 Email live at tsn1040.ca. Text us at 1040-40. Poll question, would you trade 7th overall for Noah Hannafin? Yes or no? Up at tsn1040.ca as well as at tsn1040. Talked a lot of Canucks in hour number one. We'll transition a little bit to the games that just passed in the conference finals and what's ahead in the Stanley Cup final. Vegas, Washington had the chance to... Get a little bit of playoff hockey in while in Denmark, although the time difference made that very difficult. Able to watch Game 7 in its entirety upon coming back to Vancouver, Tampa, and Washington. I was pulling for the Prince George boy in John Cooper. I like Coop. I always have. I'm pull- I was pulling for him in the Lightning. I'll say that Washington outplayed them. That was clear. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to see... Stamkos fight it so much. I, I just thought that was a really challenging series for uh, the the Bolts captain. And I have my questions about Vasilevsky with playing as much as he did during the regular season and then relying upon him in the postseason. I suppose that's the reality for most goaltenders now, although you look at the way the Caps started the series and it was not with Brayden Holpe. And yet here he is finding a way with back-to-back shutouts, no less, to push his team into the Stanley Cup final. And so Alex Ovechkin has the opportunity he has been waiting for. I don't think, I think Cup or no Cup is not going to change the impact that Ovechkin's had on the game. The, the numbers that Ovechkin will leave with. But of course that's a supremely big deal to have the chance to play for it and maybe win it. You pulling for Washington in this one? You know what? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I'm pulling for Washington. Who am I kidding? And and for me, it's just that I'm pulling for Alexander Ovechkin. You talk about somebody who's had to face the media so many times uh, for heartbreaking losses and somebody who's had his name dragged through the mud to the extent that he has. And certainly that has calmed down with time. It's it's not an issue like it was, say, five, six seven years ago it's kind of calmed down but i still want him to be able to to put that stamp on his legacy that he has a stanley cup and that we can finally stop debating whether he is a competent leader somebody who shows up in the playoffs i think he's close to a point per game right now in elimination hockey games and you want to talk about steven stamkos he hasn't had one in i think six straight so it's funny the way those narratives have formed and around who they have formed at that. I wonder if where they were born has anything to do with that. But I think in general, I just want to see Alexander Ovechkin get that first Stanley Cup, cement his legacy as the best goal scorer in the NHL in the history of the game. Because I think when you error adjust his goals, you'll find that he is probably the best goal scorer we've ever had. Not the best player, but the best goal scorer. And to see him do it would just be phenomenal. What a great story. And what I find especially interesting about this, and you know, people might disagree with this take, but I think that this is the most beatable Washington Capitals team in the last four or five years. 
and this is the one that's going to go to the Stanley Cup. And I think it's kind of, it's just, a, it's funny. I mean, hockey works in mysterious ways, and, and we're going to be talking about the Vegas Golden Knights one one segment from now, so there's proof positive to that. Uh just their underlying metrics throughout the season weren't very good. And, of course, you don't want to call them an underdog because they won their division. Well, Holtby struggled this year, too. Holtby At lost different his, times. He lost his job to Philip Grubauer. And and he had to, to get it back in time to, to face off against the Penguins in round two. And just the entire team wasn't really feeling it until the postseason. And you talk about the, the Washington Capitals, and it, the, the argument's always been that they peaked at the wrong time. Right, so they they'd have these amazing regular seasons, and then they would fade. This year, it's the exact opposite. They had a pretty suspect regular season, save for that division title, and now they're coming together at the exact right moment, and they're really starting to put together a run here. And you'd like to see it capped off with the Stanley Cup. Certainly, I would. Well, you think of the Penguins to the Capitals. That's the Blackhawks to the Canucks mm-hmm. for so many years. And uh, remember the feelings when Vancouver was oh, able yeah. to, uh, as one of my favorite calls ever goes, slay the dragon. Yeah. And then you just have that feeling of moving forward because of uh, the ability to do that. And are we past that set? Are we past the point of thinking the Golden Knights are just going to, you know, some team is going to mop the floor with them because it's been anything but to this point. Are we past that now to think, oh, yeah, here comes Washington. This is finally the team that's going to give the Golden Knights what they, their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... Goaltending is a great equalizer in hockey. And if you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's numbers in the postseason, he's without rival. Nobody is even close. Do you want to take a wild guess at how many goals he has saved above average, which is essentially a statistic that takes into account where shots are coming from, who's taking these shots, and figures out how many goals an average NHL goaltender would allow. Marc-Andre Fleury has stopped an additional 18 goals for the Vegas Golden Knights on this run. And any team is going to look very beatable when their goaltender is stopping 4% more of his shots that he's faced than he is expected to relative to the average well, NHL. That first round well, was unreal. something else. The, he, I mean, the losing goaltender, if you put up Quick's numbers... You should win. The losing goaltender in that series, if, if you didn't know who won the series, you would not think that Quick lost it. Well, and, and here's proof of that. The goalie with the in the top 10 for goals saved against average, Jonathan Quick, despite only playing four games. And this is a cumulative statistic. Four games, and he's still in the top 10. So I, I think for the, for the Caps, the thing is going to be overcoming frustration. And we saw this last year with how they had to face against uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, and he was really good in that second round, and they just could not get past him, and they lost their confidence. And you could just tell when that first goal went in uh, against the Capitals in Game 7, the entire energy was taken out of the building, and they were deflated, and they had no response. So how are they going to respond when they're facing a goaltender that's stopping just about everything that's coming his way? That's going to be the big storyline for me, because this Caps team, the one thing I noticed with them this year, they're not playing too high. They're not playing to survive. They are playing to win hockey games. They're not afraid to make mistakes. And John Carlson said as much after their Game 6 win against the Tampa Bay Lightning that this is the first team of the Alexander Ovechkin era that isn't afraid to make mistakes. And I think that is one of the big differences. I just wonder if they can maintain that confidence level when they're facing the best goalie in the NHL playoffs by about 
Well, a factor of three. Well, Ovi's come a long way in his career, needless to say, from Mm -hmm. a player that was painted as being too self-centered, a player that would not compete past center ice, a player that couldn't play the other wing, to a leader, I think, that has had to grow up a little bit, but still brings that youthful enthusiasm to every shift. And you see him on the bench, and he's rallying his teammates, and he's just all smiles, and yet he's a fierce competitor. Mm-hmm. And he's carried carried the speed of the game surprisingly well for the amount of ice time he gets year after year. You'd think he, he would take a little bit, he'd be a little bit worse for wear. And of course, he has that unbelievable release that for my money when you go to game seven and you see that goal scored in the first was it two minutes i know the game goes on from there and the the bolts don't score and it's hard to win but if you're picking apart that one boy nothing sets the tempo like a goal that early from your superstar captain to lead the way in a game seven and you look at Ovechkin, what he's been able to do. You look at the, you listen to the post game interviews. Boy, that is one, that is one well rounded player now in Alex Ovechkin, who I believe is more determined than ever to will his team to this point. He hasn't done it by himself, of course, but this is just feels like a different Ovi. And will that show up in a battle against Vegas? in the Stanley Cup final. I like what Barry Trotz has done as well. As a quick aside, you want to talk about cheering for players. I like what Barry Trotz has done, and that's been a handful this year for him. A coach that was on the hot seat if they didn't make it out of the first round, if you can believe it. And on the flip side, George McPhee, it's hard not to appreciate how he has banded this group together. I know the coach of the year is on the bench in Gerard Gallant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's got that locked up. (laughs) But George McPhee, I think, ended up getting a little bit of a raw deal in Washington and was in the wind for a little bit. And here he is resurfacing with a team that nobody expected to even make the playoffs. And they're four wins away from the Stanley Cup. Well, and and that's one point that you can't make enough is that even the Vegas Golden Knights didn't expect to be in the playoffs. A lot of their their commentary from the owner, from management, was that they were three to four years away, four to five years away from winning a Stanley Cup. So I think they're taking it by surprise just as much as everyone else is by their uh, instant credibility as an NHL contender. And just imagine what happens this offseason if they try to make a move for Eric Carlson like they did at the deadline. John Tavares is available and they've got cap space and draft picks and prospects. This team is set up for a long run. Well, I had considered Tavares to the Golden Knights. That is an interesting uh, conversation. Hmm, interesting. They have money. He has a desire to win. Could be a fit. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, that's for another day. But boy, now you've got me going with depending on the outcome of Vegas. We will go right to the Sin City. Overtaken with Golden Knights. It's been a very... It's been very entertaining to see the city embrace the hockey team and boy what timing do the golden knights have in achieving that in their first year which is also important for so many reasons to put your stamp 
on the market you play in, I'd say they've done that and may have saved the best for last. We'll check in with Shane Payne, writer for HockeyBuzz.com, covering the Golden Knights when we come back. Nation Network Radio on TSN 10. Hat trick in the Caps game. I love it. Great call from Corey Basso. Enjoyed the tail end of that one. Hope you've enjoyed the first hour plus of this one. We went through the Canucks, some of their prospects, talking about Patterson, DiPietro, Anders Nielsen. The thought of Quinn Hughes. Oh, wouldn't that be nice in a Canucks uniform to be that lucky? Would you trade Noah Hannafin? For the seventh overall selection. That is the poll question. TSN 1040.ca at TSN 1040. Chris from East Souk saying, no way the Canucks should trade the seventh overall for Hannafin. I'd rather pick the best player available with the highest potential ceiling than a good player whose ceiling has probably been reached. Not to mention the fact Hannafin is a left shot of which the Canucks have many in the system. Thanks to Chris for writing in. And uh, while we await our next guest who is going to connect, connect us with the playoff run that the Vegas Golden Knights have put together, we can circle back to the home team. And JD, what do you think of Chris's response? Well, the, the one thing that stuck out to me was a comment that Hannafin might have already reached his ceiling. And, and I think that that might be a bit of an overstep because a lot of what we've learned suggests that players, even defensemen, peak a lot closer to their early 20s than their 30s, but they don't peak at 21 years old. <laughs> so we're talking about 23, 24. That's when a player usually reaches their prime production and prime two-way profile years. And you know what? Hannafin has a ways to go before he's that player. For me, it's not a question of whether he's, he is what he is right now it's a question of you know is he the player from last season or the player from this season i think there's a potential for regression as much as there is the potential for his game growing and going forward so in that sense he has a lot in common with most draft picks but uh you know what i tend to agree with the the gist of that message which is that you got to go for ceiling you got to go for seventh overall and i have a lot of time for that argument especially with all the variance that we see in scouting lists uh, to try and find who's going to be the best available player. And certainly it could be a guy like Noah Dobson or Ty Smith. So they can find that power play quarterback without selling the farm for somebody who's already burned their ELC. Vegas Golden Knights. Do you look at their blue line differently now because of what they've achieved? I mean, the whole point for the, the blue line was to keep it reasonable with one year contracts you know not very much term given other than uh, Braden McNabb bunch of guys are coming up to UFA status after the season or restricted free agency i wonder if you paint a different picture as to the blue line from the Vegas Golden Knights and how willing they may be able to move some of those players with what the Knights have achieved, and that's where we go now to Shane Payne in Vegas, writer for HockeyBuzz.com. And uh, Shane, we're very pleased to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Hey, what's up, guys? Not too much. Just uh, hard to believe that we are saying the Vegas Golden Knights are going to play for the Stanley Cup. Uh, has it sunk in with the city and that fan base, do you think? I think with the fan base, but not, not with myself. When I first moved here, my lease was up to, at April. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to be here past April. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> my goodness. Well, that certainly tells a little bit of the story. 
It, it, it's perfect timing for the Vegas Golden Knights, though, isn't it? To leave this kind of impression before the NFL comes to town. We're hearing about a NBA, a separate NBA-specific building that might be down the road in a matter of years. Uh, this is the perfect window for the Knights to even get to the finals, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the Raiders get here, they're definitely going to be a big part of the town. But the Golden Knights have definitely put down the gauntlet for the Raiders to match this kind of success. And can you perhaps speak to what it's been like uh, on on the street level? Because you hear reports on Twitter about the way that the city has taken to the Golden Knights. You hear about uh, every shop having a Golden Knights flag hanging in their window. Uh, what can you say about the way that that city has embraced the team and really gotten behind it for their first playoff run, which could end in a Stanley Cup? Well, uh, the practice facility, it's uh, been pretty full for most of the season, which is pretty good, especially on the weekends. But just yesterday, there was an edict handed down because the practice a couple of days ago, uh, they they, uh, they had literally like a thousand people jammed in there. There was no space to walk on the stairs. It was a, high, a fire hazard. <laughs> and so today they had to limit people first come, first serve to practice, which first season and the team store right outside the practice facility there's been lines uh, to get in for the last month or so kind of like a club they let people in like uh, you know 10 at a time or whatever and that's just the kind of uh, what's going on here well it's 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 hard to believe i mean you talk about expanding to new markets and i don't think the nhl could have in their wildest dreams expected to have this instant kind of a, a liftoff with the golden knights and vegas as a town uh where do you give most of the credit for this this great first season whether it's the gm george mcphee gerard gallant i think we were talking about mark andre fleury in the last segment he's rocking a 17 goal saved above average right now in all situations <laughs> where do you even start with this group I think it's cliche, but you got to give credit to everybody. I mean, you got to give credit for McPhee for picking a lot of the right players. Some of them haven't worked out, but most of them have worked out. You got to give Golan credit for getting the most out of his players. You know, guys like Colin Miller, who were underused in Boston last year. And this year, they put they, they feature Miller's shot uh, on the power play. And he was an Asia Hardest Shot competition winner. And so where, where else would you put a guy like that? And that's what they've done this year. They've made his shot the feature of his power play unit, and it's gone great. And, yeah, and obviously the players themselves were stepping up to the kind of the from day one, stepping up to the pressure of and the expectation of being a team that wasn't going to be very good. Shane, I'm interested, and we're joined by Shane Pang from HockeyBuzz.com in Vegas, entrenched in that city. We talked about Marc-Andre Fleury. You just touched on him. Is, mm -hmm. is he the face of this team in that city, or there, have there emerged some new characters? Who would you point to as the fan favorites from Vegas? Well, it's definitely still Fleury. Anytime they say his name at introductions or whatnot, he is... The the, uh, the the applause for him is, you know, double, triple of anybody else. But I would say the guy who has emerged uh, since the start of the season is Carlson. Uh, for obvious reasons, 43 goals, but also, too, his, uh, his blonde tresses. Well, uh, I was going to say, if you're going to reference William Carlson, you got to call him Wild Bill Carlson. I mean, <laughs> give the man his due. Yeah, that is a great story, yeah, where he got the nickname Wild Will. 
Wild Bill from an Anaheim trainer because actually he was so calm and he is like that. He is very, very calm. He's the he's the antithesis of his nickname. Shane, you have an article up uh, on your Twitter and that's S H E N G underscore P E N G for those that are wondering. Uh, of course, hockeybuzz.com. Talking about Oh uh, yeah, flurry is a main part of the success. But what about the blue line? And JD and I were just uh, pondering uh, about how valuable some of the blue liners have turned into for the Vegas Golden Knights with attractive contracts. So, what can you say about the play from the team's uh, team's defenseman lending its contributions to their success? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys have talked about the GSAA, and of course that for flurry, uh, he's doing. You know, all-time kind of stuff right now. But even without that, though, you see a team that's 12-3 and three with Flurry. but even if Flurry wasn't playing so well, there's a good chance they're still in the final. And guys like Theodore have stepped up. Schmidt, right? Schmidt, who couldn't even uh, be a top four in Washington last year. And guys like that have come together, and they play a great team game. They're number one in slot shots against, number one in, in, in rush chances. And so these... These kind of things are, you know, they, 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 they show you just that, that it's not just flurry. It's a, it's a good team game that they play. And so that's going to be definitely a lot of trouble for the Capitals. Well, uh, one storyline that is of interest to the Vancouver Canucks and their fan base has been the way that Lucas Spisa has been able to maintain an NHL career with the Vegas Golden Knights selected in the expansion draft. Uh, I don't know what your, your exposure was to the Vancouver Canucks Twitter scene, but he was somebody who faced a fair amount of criticism, certainly under the bright, I've seen some of it. Yes, uh, under the bright lights of the Canadian market. And uh, there he is playing in close to third pair minutes with the Vegas Golden Knights. How has he performed? Because... Uh, as much as people in Vancouver might have lamented the salary and what they got out of it, I think everybody could agree that Lucas Pisa was a really affable, intelligent player who had a lot to offer as a person, just couldn't quite live up to his contract. How has he been for the Vegas Golden Knights? Oh yeah, I mean he's actually, like you mentioned, he's one of the most uh, one of the uh, most well spoken of Golden Knights, and he's been pretty solid. I mean, I think that third pairing is about where he belongs, and he's done a good job on a PK when he's on when he's on there, and he makes his mistakes, but he's also pretty solid, and he's been a good partner for Colin Miller in the playoffs since they've gotten together. They just got together during during the during the playoffs, and actually during the regular season, he actually paired with Schmidt. And they did a fair enough job together. And they were kind of the number one shutdown pairing for a little while. And actually, I, I did want to bring up, too, uh, Derek England's a guy, too, another Canadian guy who was kind of looked down upon, right, for some of his contributions in Calgary. But he's a guy who's definitely emerged in Vegas, too. And one of the things that he's uh, shown in Vegas is that he's a guy, he's, played, he's playing a couple more minutes than he has before than he did in Calgary. And he's a guy that actually can play fast, which is surprising. And you see, you see that with a guy like England, a guy like Belmar, uh, guys that kind of, uh, they've, they've surprised you with some of their abilities. So strengths and weaknesses as you size up the final versus the Capitals uh, for the Golden Knights. Um, I think that one of Vegas's weaknesses is protecting Flurry right in front, the high danger area. And I think that's going to work out okay for Vegas, though, because that's not a Washington focus. They're not the Sharks. They're not the Winnipeg in, in that department, I think. And Washington's power play is definitely a very, uh, very potent. 
And so I, for Vegas, they'll need more contributions from their second power play unit. That's the James Neal, David Prawn, Eric Howla power play unit. Uh, so far in the playoffs, the March Show power play unit, they have six goals and the Neal group only has two. And so they'll need to work on that a little bit. And of course, too, we'll see if Flurry can keep up his play. We've seen that before, Jonathan Quick in 2012, Tim Thomas in 20, uh, 2011. And so it is possible to play four rounds of 940-plus hockey. And we'll see if uh, Florida can keep it up. Yeah, and an- another interesting storyline is going to be what the the Vegas Golden Knights can do with their second and third line because as I was going through their underlying metrics, I was noticing that uh, their top line of Jonathan Marsha, so uh, Riley Smith, thank you, Dale Talon, and William Carlson are dominating, but they haven't been able to replicate that success further down their lineup. Uh, how much? How important is it going to be for Gerard Gallant to find a way to get his middle six going, especially against a team that has depth like the Washington Capitals, who could play uh, Nicholas Backstrom on their third line at points in their Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, I'm definitely staring hard at the second line. Uh, Eric Howla as the second line center will definitely have a difficult matchup when he's uh, faced against a, a Backstrom type. I think the third line of Vegas actually has performed quite well. Cody Eakin, he's had, uh, in my mind, a resurgent kind of playoff. Uh, he's been excellent on puck pursuit and defense. Granted, some of his underlying numbers aren't great, but I, uh, but I, I, I don't know if that's so much his his role to dominate the puck and, of course, to score. It's not so that's not even so much his role. And so I'm not too worried about him. But yeah, the second line, uh, Eric Halla, uh, Perron when he's on it, and James Neal, not so great defensively. And so definitely for them to prove their weight, they've got to score. And they haven't scored enough yet. You know, Perron uh, hasn't scored a playoff goal yet. Actually, just looking at some of the numbers today, uh, Perron actually hasn't had a shot on goal on the power play yet so far in the playoffs, which is just, you know, mind-boggling if you think about that. Well, uh, you bring up David Perron, and one of the things that really caught my attention was the way that you covered the Golden Knights and you integrated a lot of uh, underlying data into your conversations with players like, for example, David Perron. And it seemed like you two had a couple really good back and forths. Uh, to what extent are the Vegas Golden Knights integrating that into their everyday hockey operations? Uh, because certainly David Perron strikes me as somebody who is aware of some of the data out there in the public sphere. Uh, to what extent has that gripped the entire team? Yeah, you know, I couldn't tell you exactly how much uh, George McPhee uses this kind of stuff, but McPhee did did note, actually, in his most recent press conference that when someone asked him about Perron, that he was surprised by how good a playmaker that Perron has been this season. And so I think that they are aware of some of the stats that are, uh, that are out there, uh, aware of, you know, Perron's first assist, aware of the fact that Perron isn't shooting as much as he was last year, and also the fact that Perron's shot distance is way farther out than before. And so there is some awareness of that. Golan has brought up uh, scoring chances and things like that, so I know that they definitely do watch that, though he wouldn't cop to that being a primary stat for them. But I'm sure they, they do use it, but they are very old school in a way that they don't want to tell you anything. Uh, for example, today I asked Golan about just generally how do you uh, break or not break, how do you beat Washington's 1-1-3 kind of neutral zone trap? He said, "Oh, I'm not going to tell you." And of course, that's silly because you know, I mean, I, I can I, I I can figure it out myself. I just want confirmation from them. But they have sort of that old school attitude in some ways. 
Well, it is the Stanley Cup Finals, and so I certainly understand that perspective. Uh, when it comes to how do you cover Ovechkin, how do you slow Ovechkin down, I feel like right. this this plays perfectly into the hands of the Golden Knights, who seem to just rise to the occasion when, you know, it's the Jets. It's the, it's the kid. Like, look at the rounds prior when everybody thought the Golden Knights wouldn't have it in them to match or rise above, and it probably doesn't get any bigger than Ovi on the other side. I'll be honest. Yeah, I did definitely take Winnipeg to uh, Winnipeg to beat uh, Vegas in the last round. But I think the difference there though with uh, the Line and Ovechkin is how much they they depend on Ovechkin to shoot. Uh, on the Winnipeg power play, Line is the kind of Ovechkin like option, but he doesn't shoot nearly as much as Ovechkin. Yeah, Buffalo, you know, taking most of the shots on on their power play. And so, how to take Ovechkin out of the picture will be a question. I think what will help maybe help Vegas is the kind of the penalty kill that they run. They run kind of the uh, wedge plus one, which basically covers, uh, does a, a good job of kind of covering kind of like the, the slot, slot, uh, cross slot passes, that sort of thing. And so that might force Ovechkin to shoot from farther out, which anytime you can get a Ovechkin or a line shoot farther out, that's going to be better for your goalie. Well, we're going to shift gears here to the off season because I think we've covered a lot of what is going to happen for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Washington Capitals in their best of seven for the Stanley Cup final. But what does this team do in the off season? Because they've only got $35 million on the books. Of course, they've got to re-sign the likes of re-sign or replace, rather, James Neal, Will Carlson, Perron, Reeves, and on and on down the list. Do the Golden Knights take this this first season and do they build on it because we know they were connected to eric carlson do they look at Mm -hmm. john Tavares? do they really go all in on this core or do they take a more metered approach and try to build this thing slowly with draft picks like they did last off season well if they took a uh if they took a shot at eric carlson at the deadline i would think that they would inquire again um, they probably wouldn't have to pay as much as they would have during the deadline because, of course, at the deadline, you you get two playoff runs with Carlson guaranteed, whereas if you trade for him in the summer, you only get one. And so I think that you check in and see what the cost is, and the cost is not not ridiculous. And, you know, let's let's not forget that Vegas had three first-round traffics last year, and so if they trade one of those guys, one of those top prospects, they're not leaving the cupboard bare. So I would think Carlson might be something that they circle back on. Uh, Tavares is, is as great a player as he is. Uh, it's, it's not somebody that I've really heard Vegas connected with, but if he wanted to come, you know, you would definitely uh, think about that option for sure. And why not? If, if you're Vegas, why not think big? You have Flurry, who is, you know, he's in his early 30s. He's not going to be uh, playing at the top of his game for that, you know, for so much longer. And if you believe that a guy like William Carlson is a first-line center, if you believe that John DeMarco show will at least match what he did this year, if you believe that Riley Smith uh, is going to be consistent, you know, because Riley Smith has had that kind of that good year, bad year kind of thing throughout his career, but if you believe that basically your first line is a great first line, then why wouldn't you think big and add a Tavares and Carlson and for your uh, potentially cup-defending run? 
Let's just focus on the finals. That's too much for me to process. The fact that they might have a shot at some of those guys and could very well be defending Stanley Cup champions by that time. Unbelievable. Shane, thank you for joining us uh, all the way from Vegas. Enjoy the finals in Sin City, my friend. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Shane Pang from HockeyBuzz.com. And boy, isn't that uh, a glimpse of reality when it comes to that market not only exceeding expectations but maybe having a shot at eric carlson could yeah. you have a carlson and a carlson carlson up front carlson on the back become 80 point guys the same season that is crazy it is everything's coming up Vegas. Yeah. Will they have enough in the finals against the Washington Capitals? Will be hopefully an entertaining series to keep track of. We have one more to get to before uh, we say goodbye for another Saturday with you until 7.30. It's Nation Network Radio. Take your calls, emails, text messages, and wrap this baby up on the other side. Nation Network Radio on TSN. I put a bow on this one. Some more reaction from you. Text message, email inbox, email live at tsn1040.ca. Text us at 104040. Peter says the Canucks are going to get a very good prospect at 7. What I'm praying for is they get another first-round pick like one of those Islanders picks. Is there a chance, considering the Islanders have two, they could make that move? Well, maybe if the Islanders decide to move up, but then you wonder about what pick the Canucks are getting to replace the seventh overall. So uh, I, I don't know if I see a scenario where the Canucks can find a way to get their hands on the, the 12th overall pick or 13th overall for that matter. You know what, though? If you're looking at trade-down scenarios, look at the New York Rangers. Apparently, one writer said that they had Elias Pettersson as the highest prospect on their board before the Canucks took him, and they had to get Elias Anderson as a result. Uh, the Rangers are at ninth, Canucks are at seventh. That's the New York team that I would be keeping tabs on. They also tried to move up for Makar last season, according to Adam Herman. So uh, that's the New York team I'd keep my eyes on. Would you trade more than the seventh? For Hannafin, i.e., or sorry, subtracting the seventh, would you trade real players off the roster for Hannafin? Oh, sure. I mean, if the, if the price is right. So let's say the Canucks can move uh, Sven Berchi and, and Hutton and something else. I mean, one of our, our listeners texted in Hutton, Sven, and a third. Eh, maybe that could do it. Results on 1040.ca. Very split. 49% yes, trade the seventh for Hannafin. 51% no. So as close as it gets. Thanks for contributing. Uh, thanks to everybody who weighed in. You can find us on iTunes and the podcast. Ask you to rate that and follow along as well. Happy to have you every week. We'll be back once again. This is Nation Network Radio on TSN 10. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com.